Welcome to Food and Loathing, where we ain't fancy, but we sure do like eating foods that are. I'm your host, Al Mancini, a guy who I... Guy whose idea of dressing up for dinner <laughs> is finding a pimp suit that matches his Mickey Mouse T-shirt. I was getting so excited thinking about pimping out, Rich, that I, just, of course I stumbled you were. on that one. Yes, man. of course you were. As you can hear, I'm joined, as always, by Rich Johnson, our producer extraordinaire with a soft spot for fast food. And I'll tell you, a lot of adjectives can be used to describe us individually or together. Some of them are actually suitable for air. And some of them are actionable. Yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> fancy is not a word that often comes to mind when we are in the room. And yet, the bulk of this week's show was recorded at the 2022 Winter Fancy Food Show, which took place this past week at the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Center. I was there briefly on Sunday before Rich and I spent the entire day on the convention floor on Monday, snagging free samples and interviewing exhibitors to see what trends are being pushed as the next big thing, because everybody had the next big thing. Oh, yeah, or the next to the last big thing. <laughs> yeah. We spent a lot of Monday live streaming. You can find some pretty long, pretty in-depth interviews with all sorts of people on our social media feeds, mostly on Facebook, but quite a bit on Instagram as well. For those who only want the highlights, Rich has been toiling away, trying to trim the fat and get right to the meat of those discussions. And we have several of them coming up as the centerpiece of this show. Man, you must oh, yeah. have been like, I'm really digging into that. It was fun to go back and revisit those interviews we did at the table. And I just, but I just keep saying, I should have gone back on Tuesday. I should have just gone back for myself and, and seen more because I only saw maybe a tenth of what was there. Yeah, and you could have eaten more, too. Yes, I could have. I feel like we were only taking the things that were well-packaged to take home. <laughs> which yeah. meant I ended up home with a lot of um, of sealed meats yeah, and, 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 um, and candy. Yeah, and I, I, got, I got hot sauce I'll talk about later. My only regret is that the woman from uh, the cheese place, Crave Brothers, did not bring any cheese of this wonderful cheese from Wisconsin. But yeah, very we made up for it elsewhere. Yeah, very friendly and energy-friendly cheese from Wisconsin. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. Um, so, look, we are doing things a little differently this week. Um, first, given the many, many interviews we have lined up, we're forgoing a guest co-host once again this week. Also, since we are coming to you for the top and the bottom of this episode from Oscar's Steakhouse in the Plaza Hotel and Casino, which is beautiful. It's Thanks for scoring us the space, Rich. Oh, I yeah. appreciate that. Um, but I will be foregoing my cannabis edibles review this week. You know that I never consume federally regulated substances on casino properties out of respect for the hosts, as well as a general belief that if you're going to do shit that can get your host in trouble with the feds, you should not post it on the internet. <laughs> I'm old school that way. That's wise. When I'm breaking federal laws, yeah, you keep I it try low. not to get my host in trouble, especially if they're federally regulated. Yes, right. All you kids out there in high school who are taking pictures of all the, the, the girls you're roofing, don't put them on your Insta account. Also, don't roofie them, but that, that's, yeah, let's that's make that clear. True, let's make that, that very, very clear. Sort of a double piece of advice, yes. yes. But uh, if you are doing something stupid that can get you arrested, don't put it on your Instagram. No matter how innocent it seems, you're going to end up in jail, and I will laugh and laugh. Yes. Anyway, the rest of the show is going to proceed as usual, and that means it's time to start by talking about where we've been over the past week besides the fancy <laughs> food show. Rich, where you been? Nowhere. That's 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 how I roll. Uh, back into home cooking mode the past week. I did assemble a nice charcuterie and cheese plate uh, with the help of Diana Breyer at the Valley Cheese and Wine. We were we were down there. My wife came along and we picked out about three things and two different meats and 
Just went to town for a couple of days on that. The highlight from the kitchen, uh, a cold weather dish. Even though we've had some wonderful weather here, temperatures in the 70s, I whipped up a big uh, pot of beef stew. And I'm, I'm real simple on this. You know, chuck roast, carrots, onion, salt, pepper, bay leaf, thyme. We do the potatoes separately. I did toss in a little red wine. And this was the difference maker this time. I found a packet of store-bought demi-gloss, stuff from, from Whole Foods. And, man, that really made the whole thing really rich, really deep. Put it all in the Instapot for about 90 minutes instead of, uh, and instead of the usual one bottle of wine between us, we had two because we, you know, we lost about a third of the bottle into the yeah, of two, course. and uh, right. then we <laughs> went to sleep for many, many hours. You Did could it. tell me you polished off a case, and I would just <laughs> give you the thumbs up, man. <laughs> yeah. We, we're into red blends these days, nice economical things, you know, about $20 a barrel, although we had a $10 no, the barrel. No, a barrel. <laughs> it's like yeah. you buy them by the barrel. Yeah, exactly. But cheap. <laughs> uh, a bottle. I had a $10 bottle last night, and uh, eh, maybe a little challenging, but still pretty good. Did a nice chicken marsala. Uh, Thai curry, we do that a lot, and that's so simple. You get that concentrated curry paste from Asian grocery stores, a can of coconut milk, whatever vegetables you want to stir fry, chicken breast all chopped up, and kaboom, you're there on rice. And yet you've never invited me over for dinner. Oh, Seems well, like you do a you lot know, of good cooking. I have my standards. Yeah, that's true. That's because I don't dress properly. <laughs> We've already established yeah. that. I had dinner. I did throw on a blazer. I had dinner at Resorts World Friday night. The team from the Fancy Food Show were dining over at Brezza. So Sue and I dropped by to say a quick hello to them and make sure we had everything set up for the show. We didn't have a full meal at their table. I didn't want to distract from Brezza. Um, and we didn't really want to just intrude on their night. I knew they'd have yeah. to be dealing with us all the next week. But after, So after we met everybody and we made our plans for the show, we went next door to Bar Zazu. Now, Bar Zazu is relatively new. They open kind of quietly. They are the sister bar and lounge to Brezza. Yeah. So this is a Nicole Brisson, the chef there. Um, the same partners, everybody are, are all involved with Bar Zazu, but it's a very different concept. First of all, it's dark, it's, um, it's trippy. The art in there is beautiful. It's all digital art. Wow. So they have the women of Zazu, right, who all kind of have their own personalities. But what I like about it is, if you're staring at one of these, um, these paintings but it's a digital painting so it's not a painting this, this yeah. artwork um you'll be staring at it and then it'll eventually shift so basically the the paintings move from frame to frame around the room oh. so you get to see all of them no matter where you're sitting and get vertigo yes um <laughs> but, but no it, it, it's very it's very subtle and very um simple but what's even more subtle is and it takes you a little while i guess depending on whether you've had edibles before you go there <laughs> to notice that they're actually moving like these women are moving yeah. um so they're very trippy looking to begin with um i i love the vibe and it's got a real art deco feel to it but a sort of kind of modern space age art deco right so all the shapes and the pipings that you're used to but done in dark and neon colors so um it's it's a beautiful room i highly recommend people checking it out um but what's most interesting there is that nicole person of course is known for italian food pastas and yeah. steak here she's taking a shot at spanish tapas so we know she's a phenomenal chef. Um, we have all eaten her cuisine many times in the past. I've never had her do a lot of these dishes or anything even close to them. So, you know, I really, really enjoyed there. So we started off with charcuterie and cheese. Then she did the um, pan con tomata. Um, we had a nice ceviche. Um, 
it was re really cool with some plantains in it, um, some whitefish in there. Very nice. A beet salad with citrus, all kinds of fresh, sweet citrus and tangy citrus as well in with beets. I hate beets, but it was yeah. a great salad. Um, she did a steak tar that's distinctly different from the one she does over in um, Brezza. Um, just a lot more going on, a lot more flavors thrown into it than the um, kind of a, a cleaner, fresher one that she does over next door. So two approaches in two two side-by-side -side restaurants. This Fred Flintstone bone marrow. I mean, it's my dog, would his head would have exploded <laughs> if he's seen this. It was probably well over a foot long, maybe two feet long, split down the middle. Um, you know, one of the more expensive items on the menu, really your Instagram item yeah. is what that one is. Um, but it was it was great bone marrow. Um, yeah, I just like the idea of ordering. I would like bone for the table, please. Yes, could you bone my table? Yeah, and well, of Please. course that's a that's a uh, in a whole other lounge at the other end. Yeah, there is a lounge casino, for that in Las Vegas. Yeah, but. any casino you want to go to. Uh, Nicole does a great great patatas bravas there, which is really cool. Unlike anybody else's I'd ever had. Plus a tempura broccolini that was good. Oh. It could have very much lived without the sauce that she put it on, but that's okay. You didn't have to use the sauce. But she also fried up some lemon slices to go with it. So the tempura oh. broccolini had a little bit of char, nice tempura crispy tempura crust, just a little bit of that burnt char from being maybe thrown on the grill yeah. beforehand, I'm not sure. And then um, these these really, really sour, crispy, thin slices of lemon. It was just very, very nice dish. Oh, I'm going for that. Um, and some lamb T-bones, which <laughs> you got to try those as well. Yeah. So, man, bravo to Nicole Zazu. Everybody knows I'm a huge Nicole Brisson fan. Um, you're probably tired of hearing me rave about her, but you will not be tired of going in and having good food when yeah. she makes it because it's always great. And then our other great uh, love of our lives, oh, speaking of uh, chefs, you, oh, you did that too? I did, well, yeah. I saw oh, maybe Gina I'm talking Marinelli. about loves of my life. I mean, I, I don't know who I'm going to say is the love of my life. Non-restraining order kind of way. Yeah, yeah I know. in a oh, non-restraining order kind of I'll way. I'll cut that part. No, that's okay. Keep it in there. <laughs> um, no, I did. I dropped by Harlow. Um, Sue and I got a little bit of good news. It's not, not really that worth going into. You know, I found out something good about my app being approved. But we wanted to go out and celebrate something. Um, and Harlow, I'm so thankful to have Harlow there because it's a, spa a place in the neighborhood where you can dress up. Up, be fancy, go and sit at the bar, do something really nice. Um, you're going to spend more money than you spend at most places in the burbs, and you shouldn't go there unless you're willing to drop a little bit of change. I mean, you know, I do get lucky. Sometimes they pick up the tab for me. I'm not going to lie about that, but I go there when I'm willing to spend some money. And um, we just, real simple stuff at the bar. It was hard getting a seat at the bar. We texted, told him we were coming. We still had to wait. I kind of felt rude. I was like just on the verge of, of leaving because I just didn't want to be hovering. But they did found, they finally had a couple spots of us for us at the bar. We just did their milk bread, which is complimentary. We did some steak tartare. We did a crab cake. We did their, their kind of deconstructed creme brulee. And then um, Sue and I wanted to raise a toast. And this is a place that, you know, I can go if I want to buy some really good whiskey in my neighborhood. So um, she did the Jefferson's Ocean Aged at the Sea. Wow. I got an old Rip Van Winkle 10-year. Of course, I knew Sue was going to finish half of mine. Um, <laughs> but she drank mine while I was having a conversation with Evo. Or she drank hers. I didn't get to taste the Jefferson's Ocean <laughs> Aged at the oh. Sea. She did get to taste my old Rip Van Winkle 10-year because I was slow. So I snoozed. I lost. That's the second time she's had that Jefferson's Ocean and hasn't shared it with me. She had some at Rick Moonen's house and didn't share well, it with me Well, we'll have, to have a conversation there. Yeah, but um, I thought it was nice because, you know, when I'm out to kind of raise a celebratory glass of whiskey, yeah. 
I usually try to keep it in that fifty to one hundred dollar a glass range, right? Um, Whoa. My old Rip Van Winkle was well under a hundred. It was probably very close to fifty, if I'm remembering correctly. Sue's Jefferson was well was less than fifty, if I'm remembering it right. So, you know, we we were able to get solid glasses of whiskey. You know, get decent stuff, and it's a good place to spend some money. I love Harlow. I'm really just digging that idea. That yeah. can, you know, there many, many years ago, the Maccioni family went into Summerlin. This is before I came to Vegas in 2001, I think. And they tried to open a place called Trey that was going to be a Le Cirque level restaurant Whoa. in Summerlin. It's now a veterinary clinic. Yeah. And, too too uh, soon. Yeah, the too very soon. Definition of too soon. Yes. But I think Harlow is hitting that right there. These are yeah. people who are who work at casinos all day. They're their customer base, I'm saying. They're people who know good food but don't want to go to the strip to get it and are willing to spend money for it. Yeah. And I think they found a great niche and it was packed. Yeah, to be fair, the prices at Harlow are not that much lower than the prices on, on the strip on for, for a comparable thing. I always tell people, go to a place like Partage or Sparrow and Wolf, and you'll get strip-quality stuff for a noticeably smaller tab. Maybe not Harlow, but still great value. No, yeah, Harlow, you are definitely not going to save money over the strip. You you, you will pay less than you would on the strip, but you're not going for the, those, there's not significant savings. Yeah. What you're going for is you don't have to go to the strip. And yeah. if you live on the west side of town, to be able to have that kind of experience and to just go and have something, especially something like Sue and I did, where we really just wanted to go out and have something nice, something small, sit at the bar. Yeah. You don't really want to commit to a full dinner. I loved being able to go to Harlow for that. Already, so I was quite happy with that. Coming up, a famed TV chef will be pitching in at the horseshoe. Uh, I couldn't resist that one. Yeah. Time, man. <laughs> also, a Las Vegas pioneer is returning to the kitchen for one night only. But first, we're going to take our first dip into the fancy food show pool. Please join us. The water is delicious. This is Food and Love. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. We're sharing our fun at the Fancy Food Show here in Las Vegas, the first time in decades that the show has been here. It's usually in San Francisco, at least for the winter one, but we heard a lot of people say they really enjoyed having it in Las Vegas and the Vegas hospitality, so let's hope it comes back. Yeah, we barely managed to scratch the surface of the show and all it had to offer, but we did get to talk to dozens of people bringing new and sometimes familiar products to the show. Here's a quick sample of some of the people I talked to. What's your name, what's the company, and what are you selling? Linda Olander, Elegant Brie. We're selling a handmade Brie crude appetizer that comes frozen, and you bake it yourself. We start with 
brie cheese, we remove the rind by hand. This a lot of people don't care for it. We put a filling in the center, cover it with puff pastry, decorate it with more puff pastry, and then we freeze it and package it so you can store it in your freezer and bake it when you're ready. So it's sort of a take-and-bake deal. Take-and-bake and take all the credit for it, too, because you baked it. Dan Gross, Dan Gold Incorporated, and we're selling spice blends. I see garlic and onion. I see uh, oregano, seafood spectacular, and uh, you got something for my chicken? Kicking chicken, finger licking, ah. and chicken salt, and a whole bunch of other flavors as well. Everything works with everything. So you're handing me a pepper steak. What do I do with this thing? You put it on steak, and you make pepper steak. Ah, that's <laughs> very simple. Yeah, real, well, that's the idea. That's the beauty of this particular product line. Yeah is that we make cooking easy and delicious. That's really the nature of it. We do the blending. We do the work for you. Uh, my name is Angelina McLean, and our company is Wake and Bagel, and we're selling thaw and bake frozen bagels. Which means what? So you take them uh, from the frozen section in the grocery store, and you thaw them out in your refrigerator overnight, or you can thaw them on the counter for an hour or two until they're soft. Then you bake them in your oven, and you get a really hot, fresh artisan bagel at home. Is there a, a sample to be had uh, here? We need the yeah. bedrock thing, so we'll go with the plane. So I'm just going to pick this up and toss it in, right? Yeah. Let's see. Got some good chewiness. Got it. As a cream cheese lox scallion delivery device, this is nice. My name's Ian Bayliss. Uh, the company is British Wholesale Imports, and we import food from Ireland, England, Scotland, Australia and Canada. It's a quite a variety of stuff. A lot of it's candy. We have some tea, British tea, which is very popular. Yeah. Uh, we have scones and crumpets. Yeah. Gilda's Tea is a brand that we're growing nicely in the States. Coffee Crisp is a Nestle product from Canada that does very well for us. Violet Crumble is a really cool item from Australia. Mm. Any Aussie loves that product. It's like a snicker bar over there. It's huge. Yeah. And then we've got the Guinness and Bailey's products, which everybody's familiar with those brands. Uh, Hoarder Christensen, we're selling one-of-a-kind super dairy, super protein snacks from Iceland. And they're made from Icelandic dairy, which is quite unique because we have this uh, cow breed that the Vikings brought with them to Iceland 1,100 years ago. And they've been genetically unchanged ever since. So they're a small breed. Everybody has a name, no numbers. So it's a very humane agriculture, uh, grass-fed, hormone-free, uh, antibiotic-free. And they make this amazing dairy, and then we turn it into a poppable cheese snack and also a skier snack, which is a cultured type of yogurt in Iceland. So you got four things here from uh, my left, your right on. Uh, what do we have first here? Well, first you have a popped low-fat gouda, just 100% cheese that we are able to process in under 30 minutes. So it's minimally processed. We lock in the nutrients and the flavor. It's got a great crunch, super high-protein keto product. And next to it, we have an aged cheese. Uh, it's an Icelandic uh, traditional aged cheese that's been uh, seasoned with herb and garlic. It's a delicious uh, cheese, especially with red wine and beer. And then we have this strawberry-flavored version that's a crunchy, poppable version of it. And finally? Finally, we have the highest protein uh, cheese snack available in the world. So this is made from a special cheese in Iceland. The snack is 73% protein, so it, almost no carbs, almost no fat. And bodybuilders, crossfitters, we've got a lot of those in Iceland. They just go gaga for this product. I like that. I thought when you were getting up from the table that you were just trying to avoid me, but you were actually talking to well, people, was, getting some info. It was a win-win thing there. I think so. <laughs> also, because she is everywhere, we got a few impressions from Las Vegas foodie and blogger Leanne Notabartolo, a good friend of mine. It's a snack from Scandinavia somewhere. I don't know if it was Sweden or whatever. <laughs> well, Rich is going to like it. Okay. Is, it, is it the little fish? cheese puffs? <laughs> no. No. 
Okay. No. It is dried cod. Oh. And potatoes to mimic fish and chips in a bag. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Now, I said, okay, I love fish and chips as much as the next guy. I have to freaking try this. I don't need them in a bag. <laughs> but I, you know, I know, but I... And but I would take them. I tried it, right. So it was salt and vinegar is my preferred flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I put the potato chip in my mouth first, and it said, okay, potato chip. Mm-hmm. But you put that piece of cod in your mouth, and the texture's weird. I'll, I'll straight up tell you that. It's bacalao, basically. Sure, you're but sure like, it's not lutefisk? It's not lutefisk. <laughs> bacalao. Yeah, lutefisk. You and the freaking lutefisk. This He's is like okay, the third I time you've mentioned it. <laughs> I went to the Iceland. The thing. whiter anything Jeez. gets, the more rich right. Exactly. When, when you eat them together, minus the heat, it tastes like fish and chips. It's the craziest thing. Wow. Okay. It was the most unusual thing I've seen so far. So the other really cool thing I saw, I'm a big fan of Nuja. Of what? Nuja. You know, the salami. Oh, yes. One of my yeah. all-time favorite fucking things. I could eat that all day. Well, I love it. Mm-hmm. There's a guy in the um, Italian area... But look at the size of that nuja. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's huge. It's a huge nuja. Yeah, it's this big. Huge nuja. I made a little pun there. And he's got it slit up the top. And and he's like scooping it straight out. Scooping it out. Oh, and it's delicious. It's by a company called Tempesta, which I've had before. um, But it's it's that. So this is just the size that impressed Oh, yeah. It was like, well. She's a size queen. We get it. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I will that's, neither that's confirm nor podcast. deny. Anything. Yeah. I will neither confirm that, nor deny. You want to start that podcast with me, you call. <laughs> the Size Queen podcast? Yeah, you bet. You, you're not going to be feeling in fear? Oh, I'll, I, I'll just watch. <laughs> okay. I'll be fine. I'll take and notes. I, and I had some really nice cheese from the Portugal cheese guys over here in the cheese pavilion. Cool. There's an awful lot of candy here. I was going to ask any good candy. I did not have any because I, you know. I brought a whole bunch of candy home to Sue last night. Um. I, oh, the gummy bears. And then I ate it all. The gummy bears. She didn't bears eat any of it. Like, I, I basically, my excuse was I was bringing candy home to Sue. Research. Yeah. And then I ate it. Yeah, yeah I got your research stoned, right sure. here. <laughs> but no, I got, uh, there's a, a gummy yeah, bear please. guy up here, and they have some that are flavored and colored with natural fruit and vegetable product. Not natural bears. Not natural bears. <laughs> <laughs> okay, floor of the show. Anything else? I just came back from the international area. Mm-hmm. I'm really intrigued with the way that they have it laid out and listening to the purveyors speaking in their native languages to buyers who are obviously speaking their language, which is, right. I, I didn't expect that. I mean, I should have expected it's that. It's like the Olympic Village. Yes, it's like the Olympic yeah. Village. Foodies. It is. I expected it to be a lot more candy and snack and ingredient driven. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing a lot of prepared completed things as well as charcuterie and cheese and oils and vinegars and it's more than i expected and i'm really excited to be here awesome well thank you for joining us people can read your work at goodforspooning.com when i finally have the time to sit down in front of my computer and actually finish or just the end follows us around or we follow her around i'm not sure who's you know yeah there's a a, symbiotic stalking i notice that you have a lot of rick moon on your show and i think your show needs to be less of a sausage fest you need to have me on more often Well, let's begin our deeper dive with something we talked about in our last episode, cheese. And, of course, that means the spiritual home of cheese in America, which is Wisconsin. Uh, But this is not about the factories. We talked to a second-generation cheesemaker who is doing it right, doing it responsibly, doing it sustainably. 
Here's Roseanne Crave of Crave Brothers Cheese. So we're a family company out of Waterloo, Wisconsin, which is uh, about half an hour from Madison. Um, we're really proud to produce award-winning cheeses, including our fresh mozzarella, uh, mascarpone cheese, which is a sweet Italian cream cheese. Mm. And uh, we have our own farm and about 2,000 cows that we milk. And we use our milk directly from our farm that we pump um, underground directly to our cheese factory. Mascarpone is not, not cheese that I even knew was made in Wisconsin. Um, is that is that native to Wisconsin? Do a lot, Obviously, it's native to mm-hmm. Italy. But yes. do a lot of people make it in Wisconsin, I guess is my question. Um, not, not too many. I, I think I can think of maybe three other brands um, that do produce. Cool. But ours is obviously my favorite. Yes. <laughs> and what made you, um, wh- what was the inspiration be tri- behind trying to become, you know, so energy efficient and, you know, to be a greener type of company? Sure. Sure. So um, we are a family company. Uh, my dad, along with my three uncles, um, started our company and kind of, um, you know, we had kind of the technology advancements um, that allowed us to be more efficient with things. And um, with being a family company and having the next generation come in, we really wanted to focus on having, you know, the sustainability or the repeatability of being able to do what we're doing now um, to do next year, next next decade and so on and so that really was um, a force that kind of helped us you know have that goal and invest in the future is there an interest among chefs and among restaurateurs in using more energy efficient more sustainable more green more planet friendly ingredients such as the one you're creating mm-hmm. yes i would say definitely in the past uh, maybe five years we've seen a trend in you know having those cool kind of trendy kind of restaurants or coffee shops that, you know, want to use things that are sustainable and good for the earth. And we do see that um, we can go look on a menu and our, our products will be on. Wisconsin cheese. I mean, there's, there's two words almost go hand in hand, mm-hmm. right? But when you're in a fine dining restaurant, you, a lot of people tend to go towards European cheeses, um, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Wisconsin, I know that, you know, I'll see that on a menu if we're talking about cheddar. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, are there other cheeses from Wisconsin that are making inroads kind of into the, the, the fancy food world since we're at the fancy food shows? Are there other types of cheese coming out of Wisconsin that, that you know, we sh- we're seeing more of in mm-hmm. those fine dining hot cuisine type of setting? Yeah, there, there are so many different types of cheeses that come from Wisconsin. And I'm sure if he, he was going around looking at our, all the different booths, Wisconsin is man, any kind of cheese that you can find is made in Wisconsin for the majority. Um, People do turn towards, you know, imports from uh, Europe and different areas, but you can't get anything better than a Wisconsin cheese curd. I don't know if you've ever had one, but that's definitely um, something. Now you're making me crave poutine (laughs) talking about cheese curd. Does it work in poutines? It does. Does it? Okay. Oh, yum. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for teaching me a little bit about cheese. I love coming to these things and learning a little bit about everything. We're talking about Crave Brothers cheeses. They are out of Wisconsin. They're doing... They're using methods that are intended to keep this planet a little better off than it would be using the methods everybody else is using and hopefully making it a better place to live. So thank you so much for your time. Tell people where they can find out about your cheese. Sure. Uh, We do have a website, cravecheese.com, along with an online store. Um, We'll UPS it directly to you. Uh, Otherwise, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Our Instagram's cravecheesellc. And Facebook, Crave Brothers Farmstead Cheese. Roseanne did not bring samples. More than making up for it was Kimberly Perales of Fratelli Beretta.
We're here to show like all Italian specialties, like prosciutto, sopressata, Milano, all the good stuff that people like to have in their charcuterie boards. And you know, we've been talking a lot about charcuterie lately. Yeah. I don't know; it just seems to be a recurring theme for our podcast. Um, but speaking of the Italian meat, so you say charcuterie, but shouldn't it be salumi? Salumi, it is. Yeah, meat? but you know what? So a lot of know. people now, <laughs> now in the United States, I feel like a lot of people are getting into the whole charcuterie board, like placement and stuff. Especially after the like in the pandemic, yes. everyone wanted to build their own board. So that's why you know we say charcuterie. Yeah. So well, we actually we had a show this past week where our cheese expert was complaining rather strenuously that now mm. everything is called charcuterie. Yes. People are calling cheese charcuterie. Yes. People are calling chocolate charcuterie. Yes. And charcuterie actually being the meat or salumi and mm -hmm. but that is exactly what you guys have here along with some olives, some nuts. So you package it all up to yeah. go. Prosciutto has it kind of has a weird history. Wasn't there a while that you couldn't really get the good stuff in the United States? Didn't there? Yeah, there yeah. a certain amount of lobbying that had to be done to get it made legal to get it over here. Oh yeah, we couldn't do it. You still can like actually import things from Italy, like salami. You can like actually import or like the brazola. But nowadays you can make your own prosciutto now here in the United States, and that's where we make it in um, in New Jersey. We actually the company bought a, a piece of land in Jersey up like west, where it's kind of like the same climate that has you know in Italy so it's like it's interesting really I've been in parts of New Jersey that had a lot of the same people that they have in Italy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and I'm allowed to say that because my last name is Mancini oh um, there's a lot of Italians out yes, there yeah a lot of Italians <laughs> in New Jersey yeah, yeah. Uh, cool so are there any new trends coming up in the worlds of salumi and charcuterie are there new meats that people are discovering or new cheeses that people are discovering as you walk around here yeah or are we just trying to get people more familiarized with the things they already know definitely things that are more like snacks because people can like just like buy the meaning what they don't want to slice it they just want everything made like the one that you have in your hand mm -hmm. uh, it has a little so. little bit of everything you you can have in the middle of the day you can give it to your kids and has a like protein like has everything that you need we actually came up with this new line that is called salamini that is basically you know your regular salami but in a tiny one yeah it's a little it salami. looks like little salamis made into like look like little nuts basically yeah. Yeah, so it's like basically... So are they, those baby salamis? Mm-hmm. They're baby salamis. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, they're like the world's tiniest salami. They're like they're mi the micro phallus of the salami world. Yeah. <laughs> and it's super good. Those. I like Yeah, it. yeah it's okay. You can open it. It's resealable too, so <laughs> you can have a little one. But the one thing with salamini... <laughs> can have a little one. No, no, the, the thing about salamini is that you can have only one. You right. know, because it's so addictive. <laughs> This one has it's calabrese. It has a little kick. It's not too spicy. You know, not, it's it's nice. Still pretty good. Right? Yeah, wow. It's the so, regular the one we have. So keeping things bite sized, keeping mm -hmm. them on the move, that yes. is really the trend right now. Exactly. Yes. People don't have time nowadays. They just want everything like to go. So I think this is like the perfect package for everyone to have. Cool. And people can get this pretty much in their grocery store. Yeah. Or so wherever. we're different, like Shoprite, we're in Costco's. You know, you can find us online too for TellyBerettaUSA.com, and you can find out where we are. Thank you yeah. so much for coming and sharing, spending Thank some time you. with us today. Thank you. Yeah, we are across the street, so if you want to. Awesome. Well, I hope we didn't open up too many of these and no. start snacking on them. This already, is all for you but... for like the rest of the day. Oh, <laughs> and, and many of those samples are resting comfortably, I'll say, inside my refrigerator. I'm surprised they lasted this long, man. I'm well. Yeah. Well restrained you are, my friend. Yeah.
Of course, after a bunch of Italian salumi, our thoughts turn to pasta. All the way from upstate New York, Scott Ketchum came to the show to sell Svolini pasta. And to introduce us to a new pasta shape. What does Svolini bring to the pasta world? I know I've been told by a lot of people that... Um, that new shapes are, are very hot this year. Are you guys doing new shapes or do you do traditional shapes? We do new and uh, I'd like to take a lot of the acclaim for bringing that trend back to pasta. When we started in 2012, my partner Steve Gonzalez and I uh, were originally looking at doing a restaurant. Uh, Steve had been a pasta chef for about 14 years. But at the climate at that time, it wasn't working out right. And in the back of our business plan, we had an idea to do a wholesale pasta. And we uh, focused on that more and more and saw a bigger opportunity there and jumped into it. But with his knowledge of different pasta shapes, we really saw that there wasn't much going on at the time. There's your basic rigatonis and penne's in the aisle, but nothing new. So we dug through the catalogs of all the history of pasta shapes and found a lot of shapes to bring back to the market. And we wanted to bring that excitement back to the pasta aisle. So ever since then, we've been uh, introducing new shapes. We have fun ones uh, like zucca that are shaped like pumpkins. We have a trumpet shape, which is like a horn or a flower. We... um, Spacatellis are like a rolled up scroll. So each shape can offer a different characteristic to every dish and uh, can not only bring it a little visual excitement to the pasta dish, but it also holds sauces better and be better for ingredients. Yeah, a lot has to do with finding the right the right pasta shape for the right dish, right? Like I'm an, I'm an old school linguine and white clam sauce kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know, I, I get bored of linguine once in a while, right? And I used to, there was a time when I could, like there were certain pastas that I liked, like a shell, like a, a larger shell, not a medium one, but not the giant ones that you stuff, right? Yeah. Like, and I can't find them in Vegas anymore. So now I can't find a good one, a good pasta shape for me to do linguine and white clam sauce with a thinner kind of sauce. But every, first of all, what would you recommend for that? Oh, well, there's so many different ones. Like kind of a white one. I'm not talking about an Alfredo sauce. I'm talking about like, you know, just the chunks of the clam, the very thin white sauce. Mm -hmm. I personally always have liked shorter shapes better. I think they're easier to get on your fork and get a better bite each time than trying to twirl all this pasta. So I would recommend something. uh, We have one that we call a Reginetti, and it's almost like a mini lasagna noodle, about one inch long. Uh, It's perfect. It has ruffled edges on the sides. It's just perfect for grabbing any kind of sauce, other ingredients on the side, and you can get a perfect amount on your fork every time. I find that one is my go-to shape for almost any dish. In my kind of closed-minded, you know, we, we know what we see on TV or we know what we read in the established books, I thought that this was sort of, there, there was an orthodoxy to pasta shapes, but clearly I was wrong. Is this a new thing that, that we've, we've broken away from that orthodoxy, or has it always been that way? It's just the public was never hip to it. I think it's a little more of a new thing, and we... Um when you're doing a fresh pasta at a restaurant that's unique that he tried that, you got maybe a little more flexibility because you're not trying to dry it and, the, and there's different characteristics to the wheat. You have to make sure that hold up for that whole process. But when you're doing it right there on the spot, you can get pretty inventive. So I, I applaud him for doing that. It's an interesting way to bring the customers in. And this last year, we invented a new pasta shape with a, a, another podcaster called the, uh, the Sporkful Podcast. It's called uh, Cascatelli, which means waterfall. I don't know the exact date the last pasta shape that came to market was invented, but it's been almost 100 years. And it's a much more difficult process than you'd think. It took three years to master the shape and get it actually engineered so it would work correctly. So can we give credit to that podcast? Who was this that you invented it for? Uh, we worked uh, jointly with uh, Dan Pashman at the Sporkful. He's a James Beard Award winner. 
Um, he did a whole special once on different pastas and felt that none of them really lived up to the potential that they could. So he created three categories on, called forkability, sauceability, and tooth sinkability. That he said every pasta should have these characteristics, but none of them could have all. None of them had all three in his opinion. So he set out to create one with all three. Um, about a year and a half into his his task here, he couldn't really find anyone to partner with. He ended up getting a number from a mutual friend that gave us a call one morning. And since we were always been trying to bring back the shape, so it sounded like an interesting project to work on with him, we took about another year and a half and about five different types of test runs until we finally mastered the shape and got it to come out correctly and ended up here. So it's, it's kind of modeled after the, a couple historical shapes. You have uh, the ruffled edges that you would find on a, on a Reginetti or a Mapledine pasta. But then you also have this tube in the center, which is like a bucatini. And that kind of helps give it a little extra bounce and bite when you bite into it. All the reviews we see online from selling it, uh, everyone loves this sauceability factor. Because the two ruffled edges of side to side kind of create a trough in the middle. And the sauce just really gets in there. So a hearty meat sauce is perfect for it. Something like a bolognese is just a perfect companion. <laughs> awesome. So where can people find your pastas? And are anybody in Las Vegas using them in their restaurants that you know of? Well, we, um, we have worked with Lavo Restaurant for a few years. They're Love using Lava. our, our uh, rigatoni in their, one of their dishes. And uh, we are for sale at Natural Grocers and Whole Foods here in Las Vegas. A lot of people came to the fancy food show to sell what they claim are healthier foods. And I mean, I'm not calling anybody a liar. I'm just not a doctor, so don't take my <laughs> word on anything. We talked to a couple who are doing what they can to get us to eat less starch, bringing not only her products, but some interesting thoughts on how to go grain-free was Margie Traxler. Her company is called Grain Free Mamas, and what does that mean? We've created a whole different way to make baking mixes that are filling the void that exists. They're going to fill the void that exists because they're gluten grain sugar free, which makes them edible grasses free. They're also botanical nut free, soy free, naturally dairy free, no artificial flavors, colors, and preservatives. And that makes them in the body, once they get into the body, they, the cookies and muffins are functional. They actually improve health, but all the products are low inflammatory, low calorie, low carb. Basically, we're, we want to put the enjoyment and the tastiness back in baked goods that don't diminish your health. So I want to ask you, because we are here to talk about trends and to talk about the next big things. Is are, As you're walking around, are you seeing the grain-free as a movement that is, is kind of catching on that people are excited about? And then why? For those who may not be on board with mm -hmm. that movement or may, maybe don't have a need to, is this a need-based movement or is this a taste-based movement or a health, health healthy lifestyle choice movement? I think it's, it is going to take off because of the inflammatory disease. There's 422 million people suffer from diabetes, and that's diet-related. And yet when you go gluten-free, which is just the grains of wheat, barley, and rye, they say in 1956 they did the research that that was, you know, the problem with the grains. And so you saw this big influx of gluten-free, but gluten-free is made with all the other members, all the other grains, a lot of the products, plus a lot of chemicals, plus a lot of additives. And, and um, the problem that people have and the diet trends that you see all over the place are, are protein related. Well, the protein in the edible grasses family is bioidentical across that. And so what I mean is, you know, you have wheat, barley, rye, but then you have uh, sorghum, oat, teff, millet, spelt, corn, rice, and sugar cane. They're all from the same family, mm -hmm. scientific family. I'm a biologist, okay. microbiologist. So 
But the problem is people went gluten-free, they're still sick. Autoimmune is rising. I believe the problem is the entire protein structure. So if you had, just to make it really simple, if you had grass allergies, if you're allergic to grass, but then you said to me, what kind of grass do you have in your yard? Is it Kentucky rye grass or fescue? No, nobody ever asked right, that, right? right? But that's what we're doing with food. We're saying, well, I'm only allergic to these gluten grains, but yet the other ones are okay. It's the same thing. So what do you substitute for that now? So I use all kinds of other ingredients. So I use tapioca flour, cassava, um, which is, these are all plants, right? That's another funny one, the plant-based side. But so coconut products I use. Coconut in America is considered a nut, but it's actually a botanical fruit. It's not a nut. Mm -hmm. um, then you have um, banana flour, green banana flour, plantain flour that I use. Now, other ones that I'm starting to look at too are tiger nut flour. All these different kinds of things that can be made into flours right. that don't elevate the blood sugar and inflammation in the human body. So let's talk about the delicious products that you're creating and um, where they're available. Right now, if you want to try the products, you can go to our website, get the crepe mixes or the pizza crust. What's your website? www.gfmamas.com. So I'm still in wait and see mode about products like this. I, I know a lot of people with uh, gluten sensitivity and the explosion of products that they can eat has been great for them. You know, I think gluten's gotten a bad rap. It is a protein after all. The reason a lot of people over the course of human civilization were able to stay alive by just having the grain or bread. I, I, I swear one day I'm going to go up to the gas station and be offered regular, unleaded, and gluten-free, the way things are going. Yeah, you know, once Oprah talks about something, doesn't it just become, like, the thing? Like, I, I have no doubt that a lot of people have yeah. very, very serious gluten sensitivities, and I'm so glad oh, that yeah. they're being, that they have options. But I also think there's a whole bunch of people that are jumping on a bandwagon. Yeah, who don't really literally know what gluten is. and they, Oh, it's horrible. No, it's not. It's protein. Uh, still, she made some good points about the state of modern industrial food and what it has done to us. And still on the subject of grains, we got more great knowledge from Tony Roloffs of Balanced Bushel Pulses and Beans. And yes, I started by asking him, what the hell is a pulse? So a pulse is a pea, a dried pea, a lentil, and a chickpea. Okay, and a, see, that I never would have thought that a, a dried pea would be in the same family as a chickpea, to be honest. I thought they were like kind of really different, so I'm, I'm clueless, clearly. No, they're they're very similar. So you have your fresh peas that most people are familiar with, what you buy in the grocery store, the frozen stuff. The dried pea is more of what your split peas are made out of that you buy in the packages, that you rehydrate. Those are really similar to a chickpea or a lentil. Okay, cool. Now, um, are these protein sources? Absolutely. They're great sources of uh, plant-based protein. Right. So if, because that's really important. A lot of people, I guess people know more about it these days when they go plant-based. They, they do know how to get their protein. When I tried to sort of go vegan and vegetarian, like back in the 90s, like I was just living without any protein. Like there was, other than cheese. And then I just got really fatter than I was. I was like one of the few people who gained weight by trying to be vegan. But, you know, it is nice that we now know that there are these, that there's these peas and beans and things like that that are ways that you can get um, protein without killing an animal. Yeah, it's one of the really exciting things that I've seen at the show here is the amount of people that have 
come up and talk to me and just be interested in the product that are, are from that sector looking at vegan or vegetarianism or even flexitarian people that are just taking a break from meat from periods of time or only meat certain days a week. And, you know, like you said, it's it's a great way to get protein into your diet. I mean, if you don't like tofu, if you don't like tempeh, and you're looking for something else to get that protein source, Pulses, Edible Beans, fantastic way to do that. And lentils are, are something that your company produces and sells a, a fair number of, if I remember the present yeah. materials correctly, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. And w what's interesting to me is, you know, I remember lentils, and I, I guess when I would start cooking lentil dishes, I remember using them in a lot of Indian dishes. I remember in a lot of Asian dishes, Southeast Asian dishes, Indian. Um, but I don't remember until the past few years seeing something that's right here in front of me on your promotional materials, which is using lentils in a bolognese sauce. And kind of, you know, bolognese is so Italian, incorporating lentils into Italian cuisine and using them as a meat substitute in a bolognese style sauce. Um, I, now I'm seeing a lot of chefs doing that. Is that really rising in popularity? And has, have, has the idea of bringing these products and these plant-based products into traditional Italian cuisine, is that a new trend that's on the rise? Or is that just something that smart people have been doing all along? It's really something that's been on the rise in the last, if you go back the last four or five years, is people have looked closer at plant-based proteins and are looking for more ways to incorporate that in their diet. We're seeing more and more creative ways that people are getting these products into traditional dishes, whether it's it's getting, and it's available in so many different ways now. You can buy whole, whole grain, you can buy flour, you can buy the protein. There's just so many different ways that you can get product into dishes, and chefs are getting really creative with the way that they're creating new recipes and finding new ways to get this product in. Now, do you sell to chefs or do you sell to the public? We sell to the public. So we sell uh, food service or and we're working on, uh, we're a few months away from getting product into the store shelves under our own brand, which is a really important step for us because we've been on the wholesale side for a long time. We have connections all the way down to the farmer level. We work with over 8,000 farmers across everywhere they're grown in the U.S. And so we're looking to make that connection all the way from the farm to the grocery store. If we're looking in the stores, if people start looking in the stores for your products, they're, they're looking for balanced bushel, correct? Absolutely, yep. That's the... And you said you're still a few months out from that? We're a few months out, but, you know, we're really hoping to, uh, we're, we're looking to start regionally, kind of where we're based in the Pacific Northwest, Montana and the Dakotas, and then eventually working on getting uh, uh, out nationally and, uh, and online as well. Okay, so we talked a bit about, about chickpeas and, um, and dried peas and lentils. Is there anything new that that is suddenly becoming the hot, trendy, you know, plant-based protein substitute right now? The thing that we've really seen that I, I think is really exciting is the amount of flowers that are out there now. The amount of different pastas that you can see out there. And not only just buying these pastas in the store made from pulses, but being able to grind up your own pulses and make your own flour and really kind of uh, dive into that. You can get gluten-free, high-protein pasta by making it with uh, with pulses instead of the traditional wheat. You also um, have a lot of beans, pinto beans, black beans, navy beans, small red beans. These are all products that you produce as well at Balanced Bushel, correct? Yes, that's correct. These are more familiar. More, We're all used to using these in standard recipes, but it ha has ha as trends have progressed, 
are they kind of breaking out into new types of food? You know, you're not just buying your black beans for your Mexican dinner, maybe, or you're not you're not just buying you know your kidney beans for your chili. I mean, are are, are we seeing people get more creative with the way that they use beans? People are definitely getting more creative with beans. I think we can all remember back to 2020 at the start of the pandemic when everybody went in and bought all the beans off the grocery store. And I think everybody went home and said, what do we do with these beans? <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> took them until the end of the pandemic to figure right. out what the hell to do with these things, right? <laughs> and so people got really excited with the recipes that we're using and found different ways to incorporate these into chilies or into um, traditional, like you said, Italian meals and, and just all these different ways to kind of incorporate these beans into, into more traditional recipes. Well, thank you very much for your time. Please check out Balanced Bushel. Um, we all know that the human beings would be healthier, the planet would be healthier, and the animals would be happier if we at least cut back the amount of animal protein that we t bring into our diet. I will never stop eating tasty animals that have been raised in a humane manner, but the only way that we can raise them in a humane manner is if we cut back the demand from them. And the way that we cut back the demand is by having a healthy, balanced diet that also includes lots of pulses, lots of beans, lots of flowers, lots of plants, things that did not have a face, so that when we do enjoy the things that had a face, they lived a good life. So I hope we can all live in some kind of harmony that way. So let's wrap this up by going sweet and hot. I've got the sweet, something I confess that I have very little experience with, Real, no kidding, right out of the tree maple syrup. And we came to the right place. Well, actually, the right place came to us. <laughs> Eric Sorkin is the co-owner of Runamuck Maple Syrup from, yep, you guessed it, Vermont. I started by asking him the most basic of basic questions. Let's start with what, what is maple syrup and what is the maple syrup that most of us grew up eating? Is it really maple syrup? Is there any maple in it? Um, you know, if I was just the kid that grew up eating when it was still called Aunt Jemima, you know, whatever, sure. pancake mix and, and the syrup, um, was there any real maple syrup in the stuff that I grew up eating? Probably not, but when you said what was the stuff that most of us grew up eating, it depends on where you grew up at. Well, those of us who didn't grow up in New England, I <laughs> That's guess. That's right, so you're not eating real maple syrup. Okay. In fact, uh, it's table syrup. It's got, it's a, it's a distant, distant, distant <laughs> thing. Not, nothing like it at all. So real maple syrup comes from trees. We gather the sap from maple trees during the spring, and that gets boiled down into maple syrup. Wow. How, how tough is the process for making that? Oh, it's absurd. Yeah. I mean, it is like, if you were to design a business around it, you would, it's just comically silly. It was certainly invented in a time when people had nothing else to do but watch sap drip, right? I mean, like, not exactly an efficient process. Well, if you want something sweet, you had bees and maple sap to go after, right? And you couldn't get stung with the maple, right? Fair, fair point. Uh, cool. So, yeah, you know, so... We, and we is really that why we went on to so many kind of artificial processes? And has, oh, has the, the original and the true product always remained popular up in New England? Yes, I think that's true. Uh, but it's, it's just, it's very expensive to make it. And it's because of the difficulty. I mean, just to give you a sense of how challenging it is, we have, uh, so we manage about 120,000 taps, uh, which makes us one of the larger operations. But to do that, we have 1,200 miles of pipeline and tubing in the woods. And all that gets maintained by hand. It gets walked constantly. So we have a team of almost, uh, you know, call it 20 people in the woods we're walking across thousands of acres, tree to tree, managing that in just the most adverse conditions. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's not, it, it's, it's not easy to make, uh, so it's, it's expensive to make and uh -huh. it's expensive to buy, thus the imitations. Yeah. 
that are yeah just competing with it for people that don't know any better people like me who are raised <laughs> on not eating the real thing you've just brought uh, you got one two three one two three four different five different here. things this is the one that again just hold it up to the camera this is the one that stands out this is sparkle syrup. It looks like something a stripper would spread all over her body. It is very Vegas. And very Vegas. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I would like. I am like it's a, a family small product. child. I go to the. I go to the shiny object first. So no, you have to forgive great. me. So that actually is something we came out in 2020. Just uh, just last. Well, I guess two years ago now. Right in August, and um, it's just maple syrup with sparkles, edible glitter. And, okay, so uh, taste-wise, this is just going to be oh, yeah. pure maple syrup it? tasting. Yes, please. All right, well. I mean, again, I'm saying I'm a guy that has not really eaten pure maple syrup much, except well, maybe at food shows and at demos and things like that. Well, it is gonna, going to taste exactly like pure maple syrup. I like that he's pouring me a shot of this as if, like, we yeah. were at well, the if you were from Vermont. and bar <laughs> show, like, you know, doing whiskey shots. Yeah, if you're from Vermont, this is this is what we do in the morning. Mm. Yep. Okay. It's a lot of sugar for me. You don't have yeah, to finish it. Right. I, in fact, I don't yep. recommend it. That's right. pretty good, and it's very sparkly and delicious. Feels yeah. like it would go good with bourbon. Bourbon and maple go very well. They yeah. do. As that another, can, yeah, another consumer of Van Jemima and uh, things of that ilk. I would say it's light and deep at the same time. It it it's it's a mild flavor, but it's it's hanging in there it's, for a while. It's, it's very unique. It's got that stuff really going is. on. It, it's, it it's doesn't feel magic. as I, okay. I, mean, I don't know how to put this. I don't feel that it's that kind of gross kind of stickiness that yeah, it's you not get with corn a lot syrup. of. It's Thank not that you. corn no, syrup like bleh, like no, I don't really what touch we aim anything, for. You know, like just to steer clear of the gross yeah. stickiness. You could have a whole brand. Not corn syrup. Yeah, or not gross and sticky. <laughs> also, that's also what I look for in a stripper. Gross and sticky. Not gross and sticky. Not gross and sticky. Not okay, no. Sparkly, not right. gross and sticky. I'll, I'll, I'll call Crazy Horse and set that's you up. Oh, she's, I know that bottle shape. Now, off with to the side, pig? we have um, somebody opening up a little bit of Whistle Pig. Uh, it's not Whistle Pig. We, <clears throat> do, we have a collaboration with Whistle Pig, and we uh, barrel age our syrup. In their barrels, and I'm having a hard time getting the seal off. Had, end, oh. So we're just going to go like that. I was that. celebrating the other day and was trying to decide whether to order the Boss Hog at a restaurant, but it was um, $125 a shot, and I wasn't celebrating that much at the time. <laughs> All right, this. Uh, uh, so this is maple yeah. syrup aged in their barrels. So we do aged a, in their barrels. That's right. Okay, wow. But Whoa. you know, th so this is not infused with the rye. Nope. It is aged in the barrels, but. Yep. It's there. It has all of those flavors. As yeah. I'm guessing so, that there's probably not a lot of alcohol that has managed to stick trace, around in that. Trace but, amounts. Right, trace. But yet the flavor, very prompt. So maple syrup is, it actually pulls the moisture out of the wood. So what's yeah. in the wood is all the spirits and all the, the caramelization of the, of the oak and everything else. And it's really, that's a pretty magic combination. So where can people find your products right now? Well, we have them on our own website. Uh, they're available on Amazon, and we are in thousands of stores or doors around the country as well. Runamuckmaple.com, R-U-N-A-M-O-K-M-A-P-L-E.com. I can do, man, I was a spelling bee champion when I was a kid. So oh, of course it, you were. Say it, use it in a sentence, and say it again. Thanks so much for coming by, man. This is some great stuff. I, Thanks, I am going to steal that to make my wife some old fashions. Tonight, Absolutely. If I may. And now the spice. Dan Fisher is one of many chefs who's invented his own hot sauce. But as Rich will tell us after we hear from Dan, this is something special, and I agree. So its sauce has got, uh, it's a very clean label hot sauce. We've got only seven ingredients. 
Uh, the Criolla pepper, which uh, is very unique. We're the first people in the United States to use that commercially. It comes out of the Andes Mountains. It's got hints of uh, mango and citrus. It's a medium spice. We've got no sugar or preservatives. Sweetened with a little bit of honey, and then the pepper's got some, uh, some sweetness to it as well. So it's kind of a very versatile sauce with some smoke to it. How long has this company been around? We launched in April of last year. So I got furloughed. Uh, I'm a chef, and I got furloughed during the pandemic. And I've always kind of thought about doing something like this and had the time. So I thought, let's, let's go for it. What made you decide that you know the sauces that were out there weren't just really hitting the mark for you, and you wanted something different? A couple things. Um, one, we wanted something without sugar. We wanted something without corn syrup, without preservatives. You know, um, so that was something that we didn't, we couldn't find. And then we wanted something that had heat, but also like more balance and depth to it. So this is something that you can use like a traditional hot sauce or in marinade vegetables. I like to pour it in my beer at night, you know, so it's, it's got a lot of different <laughs> versatility. So uh, let me ask you, is in the hot sauce world, is heat the number one thing or is flavor as important or more important? I am somebody who is a bit, I, basically I'm a pussy when it comes to heat. Right? Okay. I, I tell people that all the time. But it's not because I'm really worried about the pain of the heat. It's sure. that when I have something that's very, very spicy, it really overpowers everything else on my palate. Yep. And I can't taste the subtleties. Yep. Right? So people tell me, this is a great sauce, but it's made with scorpion peppers or yeah. it's made with, you know, whatever, reapers and Carolina reapers. And I taste it and I can't tell for the life of me, whether it's a good sauce or a shitty sauce, because right. all I taste is the heat, yeah, right? Just, so where's the priority? Are you tr always competing for the hottest thing on the market, or are you trying to have a balance and a flavor? And then does that matter if it's a chef-focused company like yours? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think uh, there's two answers, because there's two schools of thought. There is those people out there, that like the hotheads, that they just want, they don't want to be able to taste anything after they've had a little drop of sauce. For me... Uh, I, I do enjoy that, but we're going for that depth and that balance and to be able to taste the subtleties of the sauce. I think that the really, really hot, hot sauces had a moment. I think that was the thing for a while, but I, now I feel like people are looking for something that can bring more than just heat to whatever they're adding the sauce to. I'm going to tell a story now because it's just a, a story I love to tell. Um, so you're just going to have to bear with oh, me. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm all about it. I, I got asked by a local, a, a local um, video poker bar chain here in Las Vegas to judge to judge a, a hot wings eating contest. Okay. They, they had their Carolina Reaper wings, right? Yeah. Now, it was a weird thing because I wasn't really judging. I was making sure people actually ate what they said they were eating. Okay. So I was basically calling out cheaters, right? Yep. That, that yep. was all that I did. And hey, my friend Leanne just dropped by. She's going to come over and be interviewed shortly. But <laughs> um, yes, so um, I was there to call out the cheaters. Now, this was not open to professional eaters, right? So Okay. And if we found out a professional eater was there, they were disqualified. So this was only the average schmuck on the street. Sure. These things had however many million Scoville units. It was definitely in the millions that these wings had. And I said there were 100 people signed up to do this competition. And they all went in. I'm such a badass. I can yeah, eat yeah, this. Yeah. This is no big deal. And I watched the, the funniest look I ever saw on anybody's face. And I saw it time and time again as I judged these people all day was as that invincibility of I am a badass gave way yeah. to I cannot swallow this I'm about to die and then they started spitting things out of their mouth oh, into the garbage yeah. can and trying not to vomit that is always like the most fun, that was the most fun moment for me because they all thought they were super tough right. and um, I mean I think that's the problem everybody wants to create the hottest yeah the, the spiciest whatever and then there's no flavor and then people that 
people don't really enjoy it. They just enjoy bragging about the fact yeah, that they did like, it. Yeah, it's a toughness thing. You know, like, man? Oh, I can, I can handle this. Yeah, like, I don't know. Just go join Fight Club if you want to do that. <laughs> I would like for my food to taste good. So, and on uh, the other side of that subject, along with nothing but heat, not, thank you for not being nothing but heat. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having a normal name. It sauce, Corolla honey, not some dipshit uh, honey, <laughs> Uncle Bob's dickless wonder, a fiery <laughs> dragon. Uh, th- that is the other thing I hope has passed in the spite in the yes. Uh, yeah, you world. and me both. Although that is a good name. I'm going to copyright it right now. Yeah, I'm going to get should. on. Uh, the, uh, so is this it in this little squeeze that's it, jar? Yeah. So um, you oh. want to squirt a little bit onto your, your Tostitos that you brought me over here? Give you a little shot there. Now, do we know how many Scovilles this is? I guess you kind of have to 25,000 right? to uh, 30,000. 25,000. So that's kind of a little in a jalapeno serrano range, or no, it's higher than that. That's about 5,000 for jalapeno. Yeah, it's right? uh, but it's it's not bad. With the citrus and the mango notes that come with the sauce, it, the heat will kind of linger a little bit, but it's not. It's never going to punch you. Okay, now I'm a self-professed pussy, admitted. Um, let's see what happens. First of all, I love that citrus on the back end. Yeah, thank you. I can taste that mango. There is heat. I'm going to want to runch and get some water shortly, but I can sit here and I can have a conversation with you. I could yeah. eat this with my meal. Yep. Drink a beer. Drink a margarita with it, right? It's yep. going to make you thirsty. If you're a bar owner, yeah, this is going to get people ordering more beer, yeah. but you can continue to have your conversation yeah. and not feel like you were assaulted it's not gonna wreck by this day. sauce. No. Well, awesome. Tell people your website again. Uh, it is. Let me just read this so I don't get sure. it wrong as I get people <laughs> listening. Uh, www.it-sauce.com. So I did not try this uh, when we were talking to Dan. You had the little chip. He didn't pass any to me, but I did take the bottle home. And oh man, oh man, man, this is not all that hot. You, you, as you said, you're a wuss, and you kind of prepared me for something that was a little hotter. I expected a lot more fire. Didn't get the fire, but boy, the flavors are outstanding. Balance of a little bit of heat, a lot of citrus, just the right amount of honey and smoke. Make this thing much more versatile than I'll say than Tabasco or, or Frank's, both of which I love. It, uh, we put it on the bison meatloaf we had the other day, and it was perfect. Actually made me use less ketchup, and I usually drown my meatloaf in ketchup, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, we had some pre-made Jimmy Dean sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. My wife won't touch those, but I have them for mm-hmm. when I'm working at 2 in the morning, which I, I was doing. My emergency fill-up from the freezer. I used it on uh, that, and then I used it on an omelet this morning, and man, I am addicted to it. It sauce. Yeah, speaking of what we did when we went home, I actually used some of those run amuck syrups oh, to yeah. make a, um, a run good run amuck old fashioned for my wife with some old whistle pig that we had around the house. Yeah. And um, she loved it. Yeah. I took a little spoonful. It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> we have more from the Fancy Food Show. You'll be able to hear at least some of it in next week's episode, so stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed, and you will not miss that. But coming up in the rest of this episode, a bit of news from this past week. This is Food and Loathing. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. 
In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And we're back with the news. And Rich, I know you've been following this all morning as we get ready to record, waiting for the mask news. And we're sitting here maskless. What happened, man? Well, about an hour or two before we started rolling, the Nevada Gaming Control Board, the uh, governor, everybody else says no more masks. Not like next Tuesday or a week from Friday or something like that. Right now, quote, effective immediately, individuals are no longer required to wear a mask in public indoor settings in licensed gaming establishments unless a local jurisdiction still imposes such a requirement. And there are none that impose such a requirement. So my plaza mask here at the plaza is in my pocket, not on my nose. Well, I can only hope that that becomes a souvenir, not something you have to go rummaging for in the <laughs> sometime in the future. But hey, look, honestly, people, if you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, good for you. If you're protecting yeah. somebody in your family, good for you. I'm just here to say whatever is going to get people back safely yeah. into Las Vegas casinos and make them have fun, have a good old time, then I'm all for it. And I'll be honest right now, I think I'm with two cases of COVID under my belt, three vaccines in me, <laughs> uh, my antibodies running wild. I am sort of excited about maybe going yeah. back to a poker table. I did not want to sit at a poker table for yeah. four or five hours with a mask on during this. I'm not, I wasn't complaining, but I think this might get me back to a poker table. I haven't lasted one hour at a poker table, so hats off to you. Uh, <laughs> and I will always have my mask in my pocket, no matter what. I, I may not use it very much, but I'm going to have the option there. And of course, the next variant is going to show up in the summertime, and we'll be back to it. That's that's how this is going to go. And I will be the first one lined up for as many vaccines as you want to give me, man. The number of the number of weird drugs I've taken from yeah. strangers over my life in the back room of nightclubs, I got no yeah. problem taking as many vaccines as you people want to yeah. give me. You've By the got, way, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, you've got the good Caesars news. I've got the good donut, well, vending machine news. Let's put it this way. We've seen the donut machine. We've seen the cupcake vending machine. So brace yourself for the pizza vending machine. A Canadian company called Pizza Forno is rolling out these machines that charge between $10 and $13 for a freshly baked 12-inch pizza. It takes about three minutes. According to the news site Axios, the machine holds about 75 fresh, not frozen pizzas that were handmade. They restock the machine about three times a week. The Axios reporter tried one in Ann Armor, Michigan. It was a pepperoni pizza. He said it looked great. It smelled great. The dough was a little limp. The flavors were a little muted. But he says, you know, good in a pinch, maybe. Uh, maybe not here, though, because uh, we can get good if, you, if not outstanding pizza 24 hours a day in this town, right? Man, I've got to tell you, I, I look, I, I will cede to the pizza experts that I trust. If John Arena were to tell me this was good, maybe I'd give it a try. But I got a feeling he's probably um, pulling his hair out hearing about this. Look, <laughs> as, yeah. um, as it says at Pizza Rock, right on the wall, respect the craft. Yeah. Pizza making is an art. Robots don't do it. There's something robo- some things robots do well. They vacuum my floor really well because I'm a lazy bastard. <laughs> and um, I guess they decide whether or not I'm yeah. a robot pretty well on the Internet when I have to click this traffic lights. Other than that, I want somebody with a heart and soul making my pizza. Yeah. So I say fuck that. 
They, That's they, me. They claim that they are handmade before they're put in the storage things to go into the machines, but you know, it's it sounds like it's it's a new Domino's thing. It reminds me well, of that's the, what I'm going to say. Like Domino's is already too much robot made for me, right? Like, do go. we have to take less? Like, are we actually taking more of the soul out of a pizza than Domino's Probably. has already done? I I think in a place like maybe not Ann Arbor. Well, that's the first one. Places that are not here that. They close at midnight, and everything is closed by 11, 12 o'clock. Uh, and you need pizza. a pizza at 3 a.m. and you, Yeah, you, you don't want that uh, Tortoli's thing out of the uh, freezer at 7-Eleven. It might be a little better alternative. It reminds me of getting the French fries from the vending machine in Japan. And, you know, they have it's good for the moment when you got to have it and you uh, your bar is goes really low. Look, man, I'm not going to say I'm that much of a snob. I know a lot of them. Um, I know a lot of great chefs who eat um, whoever you just said. Totino's pizza rolls, pizza, pizza yeah, rolls yeah, late like at night that. when they're drinking. I always have a tombstone in my freezer. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to pretend I don't, um, especially Red for Baron. edibles nights, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. But um, let's be honest. That's that's of necessity. Yes. We we don't we don't endorse when you need it, things. not want it. Another bit of news from Caesars Entertainment regarding the property currently known as Bally's, soon to be known as the Horseshoe. Do we all remember Chef Martin Yan? I do remember him, and I thought, geez, he's uh, okay. I guess he brought a lot of people to walks and did eight thousand walk puns. But I I, I like Ming Tsai a lot better. Okay. Well, his, um, Martin Yan's public television show, Yan Can Cook, debuted in 1982. Yeah. i got to be honest with you. I have no idea if it's still on the air or not. IMDb has it listed as still in production, but it's public TV, and I have a hard enough time finding my own appearances <laughs> on public TV because they're, they've got a weird affiliate program. So I don't know if he's still on TV. i got to be honest. Yeah. Hopefully I'll interview him, and he'll let me know. Um, but he has hosted more than 3,000 shows and appeared on countless others, picking up two James Beard's award, Beard Awards and an Emmy along the way. Suffice it to say, he remains a food TV legend, and he's coming to the horse show. His first Las Vegas restaurant, MY Asia is set to open in the third quarter of 2022, showcasing, quote, flavors from across the continent, including specialties from China, Japan, Vietnam, and Thailand. Goes on to say Peking duck, hand-pulled noodles, dim sum, and fresh live seafood will anchor the seasonal menu. So, okay, cool. Yeah, um, cool. yeah I hope okay. he brings some tourists. He's got a fan base. Good for him. There you go. Also in the news this weekend, our friends Bryce and Dalton at DW Bistro are bringing in a Las Vegas legend to cook a special year of the Tiger menu this Saturday, February 12th. Bryce sent me a flyer telling me about a meal being prepared by Chef Ming Si Wu. Now, if you've been in Las Vegas for a while, that name should mean a lot. Harkens all the way back to 1976 when oh. the Mayflower opened. That was a restaurant. And progressing to the Palazzo and then ultimately the Hard Rock, her family cooking great food. Um, since I came to Las Vegas much later than 1976, I figured I would let the Vegas-born Bryce Krausman put this meal into a little bit of perspective. So we had, um, Sahara Decatur was a popping shopping center back in, the, back in my high school days. And uh, Chef Ming Si came to town around the same time Wolfgang Puck came. And she brought in a sort of a Chinese fusion. And obviously Wolfgang brought in sort of an American um, fusion. He was definitely fusing things together. And so both of them were sort of credited. He was, obviously, he was obviously inside the forum shops and she was off in the neighborhoods. And that was where the well-to-do people had lunch. Sahara Decatur had Cafe Nicole, 
had um, Habib's and had Mayflower. And it was a pretty hopping spot. Everyone who lived at like Rancho and Alta, that was the hot spot. So it was a, it was a really uh, who's who lunch crowd. And then she had a beautiful dinner service as well. She did really beautiful wines. Her daughter, Teresa, was the proprietor and kind of ran uh, the front of house. And then, yeah, Peter was with her. Peter obviously opened Nobu at the Hard Rock. And he was the main chef. He was the executive chef there. And then he opened with the heat, went over to Wu with them when it was at Palazzo and tried to create a really fun sort of hybrid menu of uh, a little bit of Japanese with, with his sushi and a little bit of their Chinese heritage. So how did you get Ming to come and do this dinner for you? So she's been retired after food closed in Hard Rock. She retired, except to be a personal chef for a client up in the ridges. So we reached out to her after COVID and asked her to come be uh, a guest chef in 2020, or I guess 2021, yeah, for uh, the the Chinese New Year back in February of 21. And she actually asked me this time, she's like, can I come do it again? And I said, absolutely. So we have a lot of clients and we have a lot of clients from those early Mayflower and Wu days that actually followed Mingxi. So that she has about 20 of her own following coming on Saturday from old Mayflower. That's great. I love that you're keeping it real. I love that you're keeping the history alive, I guess, is a better way to put that, yeah. right? You're, and, and that's something that's great about coming to DW Bistro because it's a very contemporary restaurant. I mean, you're, you're telling me you're about 12 years old now. Yep. Yep. So I guess you're not, but you still are very fresh and new and you're, you're very of the moment, but that you would throw back to in, in a town that doesn't have a history that you would throw back to somebody who was doing something 35 years ago and really yeah. 30, 35 years ago, really making a, an impression. That means a lot to me as somebody who loves this town. Yeah. Tell me about the menu she's making. It's it, funny you say that for as long as she was around. So she said, I will only come and do this if Dalton, if I, if I share the recipe for her uh, bourbon white chocolate bread pudding and she'll share it with Dalton, and Dalton will share a recipe with her that she's been wanting from him. So they've known each other for as long as, I mean, they've known each other for over 20 years. So the menu is homage to Wu with the ribs. Uh, it's homage to Mayflower with um, her dumplings. Um, we're doing some pork, some new items this time. She's doing a pork belly with us. She's doing um, a Mongolian beef, which was also very famous for her at Wu. She's doing a Chinese chicken salad that she did at Fu. So it's sort of the best of her items. But a few new items because uh, she knows there's been some people that came last year. So she knows there's repeat coming in. But she'll do her beautiful chow mein with the lotus root um, and then her almond cookies and then her famous bourbon white chocolate bread pudding, which is out of this world. Wow. Okay, so people hopefully are hearing this Friday morning. It means it's tomorrow for you if you're listening <laughs> to this Friday morning. Tickets still available. How much and where can people get them? So DWBistro.com. Tickets are 72 bucks for the entire coursed out family style meal. There's also a dragon show at 6.30, a live sort of dragon um, um, lion dance in here. Mm -hmm. And then um, cocktails as well. So yeah, get your tickets at DWBistro.com. Oh, there's other uh, one other little thing going on this weekend you may have heard of. It's uh, professional football. Ah, yeah, there's the Super Duper Bowl, right? Super Duper Bowl. I am going to be in the back room at Brezza with a bunch of guys. And uh, we saw Nicole the other day at Fancy Food. She said, you coming to the thing? Coming? Yes, I am. And I'm looking to see, you know, probably all the stuff from, from Zazu and, and everything from the app menu at uh, Brezza are, are going to be on display there. So I'll report back next week. I can't wait to hear about it, man. Thanks. Um, I will probably put a bunch of money down on some stupid prop bets that I have no yeah, idea what I they are. And, yeah, figure out, like, you know, whether a horse running in, in yeah. California 
scores more yards <laughs> than a I don't know well, I don't know I, I love this the dumbass prop bets. As soon as that we're done know. here, we're going across the street to Circa. Let's do some propping. Sounds good. That is it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thanks to the Plaza for hosting us this week, and a huge thank you to the Fancy Food Show for allowing us to set up shop on their floor this week. We will have a lot more from those interviews, including chats with our friends at Lip Smacking Foodie Tours, Cured and Way, and Proof Magazine. Probably in next week's episode. We'll see if we can fit them all in. We're not committing to anything until we hear more from those interviews. It's been a long week. (laughs) I am heading out right now to shop for cannabis edibles so I can have something fun to review for you next week, no matter where we we record. So if I got to eat them at home, I'll eat them at home. Well, we'll get you on remote on Zoom (laughs) and so we can watch the uh, the progress. Or is it the degradation? We'll, We'll see. Tell a friend about food and loathing. Say nice things about us. We want your feedback, your likes, your retweets. Find everything you need to know at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. And you can reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. With producer Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini, reminding you to stay hungry.